I was lazy for a couple days. Gave everybody like 10 days between there, like, boom. Welcome to the Everyday Sniper. You got Frank from Sniper's Hide, or as they know me on Facebook, is Frank Colonel Sanders. Um, I have Chris Roberts on the line, a CR2 shooting solution. Hey, Chris, welcome back to the podcast. How you doing, man? Pretty good, man. Hey, thanks for having me, Frank. <laughs> yeah. that, that, that Colonel Sanders picture my brother did is pretty good, huh? Dude, that thing was awesome. <laughs> I, that's something I need to step my game up on is, is my meme game and my uh, editing photo game. Yeah, for sure. We, we we're we're nowhere near that. I, I mean, <laughs> he he's got my brother's got mad skills. He's a he's I'm gonna bump me a little. He's a graphic artist. So um yeah yeah yeah. So he yep. he knocked that guy. God, he freaking did that picture like in 15 minutes of the first one being mm-hmm. posted. Um, if you're yeah, if you a, <laughs> oh go ahead. If you see any kind of good uh, photo and editing or anything like that, it looks like it's coming uh coming from me. Then uh, no is the answer. It's coming from from my wife she's she's the designer on this end so <laughs> nice nice I'm bump you just a little bit nice sunk but uh yeah so i i put it on sniper's hide too so um i'm just coming off of i've had a busy week man i know you've been doing a lot of stuff but i was doing the ai um atx competition rifle ai came in last weekend uh, Monday till yesterday, we've been doing video and stuff with the new ATX, the comp rifle. So I've been I've been out of pocket on the range. Yesterday was a gorgeous day for us. I got a ton of footage, and and just shooting that rifle. What a nice recoiling rifle that is. Yeah, I'm pretty interesting interested in it because it, you know, it kind of reminds me of. This is totally different, but the CZ pistols, you know, they had that super low bore axis. Yes. Um, it almost looks like that that's kind of what they simulated like a, from a rifle standpoint though, like a super low bore axis so that everything balances real well. Recoil impulse is straight back. Um, it's kind of interesting. I'd, I'd be interested to see one of those in person. Yeah. And I was actually surprised they slammed it as low as they did and still have the ability to put a weight system in the bottom underneath the barrel. You know, um, because it slammed down really low. I mean, when you look at it compared to my AX, it's crazy. And you could just see like, well, wow, now you know why you struggle with the AX. It doesn't, it's funny. You don't kind of look at that when you're doing it. But then once somebody addresses it and you start looking at it, it becomes so damn obvious. And Mm -hmm. it's like, oh, why didn't I put more focus into that before, you know? You know, and that'd be kind of nice too. I'm thinking from the standpoint of, I, I I had a rifle that, you know, getting the bolt closed wasn't hard, but it just it just had a, a little bit of resistance to it. And you know, I remember thinking too, like when I would, would practice dry fires on it, I'd have to be real cognizant of holding the rifle when I when I went down into that bolt lock because it would get a little tippy. And you know, being in that super low kind of bore axis that they've got, like I think it would kind of resolve some of that issue. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, you watch because that was the one of the main points when I I did the video yesterday. Um, I put two videos up, one which is just kind of a talking head, and then yesterday's with the shooting. And um, if you watch, like, Matt run the bolt and you watch that, I mean, the rifle doesn't move. And I was screwing around early, and and you kind of – it sits in that bag so well. It's like you don't know what to do with your support hand, so the left hand's kind of just hanging out there. And a Mm. couple times I'm running the bolt. And I'm doing everything with just one hand just to see how much movement I was getting. 
and then after you know you kind of play with it to 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 um you know to to test it and and then you start kind of bringing the hand back in and go well I'm going to put it on the scope and I'm going to put it here I'm going to put it on the hand guard and in the end I found I could just kind of you know hold the side of the weight the wing of the weights and um it was it was fine just doing that and just putting my hand on the weight to kind of just make sure you know I I had a finger on it cuz that's really all you needed yeah. um uh was it was just that but I mean even like I spent a couple times just dropping it on bags, you know, mm-hmm. just so you mm-hmm. could feel the thud and the thunk and how it sets in. And, you know, it's it's funny because, and this is kind of a good conversation for people to talk about and something I, I even want to look at a little bit more because we know weight is stability, right? So the more right. weight we add, the more weight we add. And Matt, uh, you know, as part of the team guys over there, he, he said how originally they did all the weights. You know what I mean? They kind of stacked everything in there and they put all the weights they could. And, you know, with the double stacking of the weights, the way they can double stack and create the wings, they can actually go, if you get longer screws, you can triple stack the weights if you wanted. Um, oh, okay. You know what I mean? You can add more weight. As long as you have screws to attach, you can add weights kind of deal. Right. Um. So... He was saying how originally they kind of threw everything on at it and then backed it off from there. But just from a competition standpoint in these guys, and I'm sure a lot of the comp guys know this better than me. I just don't I don't chase it like they do anymore. Um, he said it was better, though, for them to tune the rifle and to balance it in a way that kind of gave the front 20% of the bag some and, – and, they're actually making smaller weights and then they're going to make like a different material that'll be lighter weights because they're finding that they don't need the heavy, heavy, heavy. They just need enough to tune it like a race car mm-hmm. in a corner. And and it was, it was a little bit eye opening because if you look in the videos, the, um, the, the gold gun, it's kind of a green gold, raw looking one with a raw mm-hmm. barrel that's matt's comp gun the one he shot at the finale that one's okay. tuned but heavy yeah well then um Rhett's had the camouflage one the red and black camouflage they had a version that was tuned but lighter and you can get away with the exact same thing as long as you're tuning it just not stacking weights and they're actually gapping and spacing and doing things and it's 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 a cool little trick the way they're balancing the front of the barrel and making sure they don't get either a nose tip down or a nose come back up. So they're mm-hmm. trying to tune that on the bag so the nose will stay straight without overweighting the rifle. So I think that was a kind of a I, yeah. I you know what I you know what's coming on now and 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 before people kind of call me the hypocrite on certain things which they will <laughs> it's 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 a finesse. It's a re. It's 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 a fine tune adjustment after the fact. We play this. We play this. You know, it's kind of like something comes up. It's a new idea. Let's play with it a little bit. Mm-hmm. Then let's adjust it and fine tune it to something a little bit better. Right. You know, and that's kind of what. So it's 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 as they fine tune. Okay, we don't need a twenty six pound gun. We can do it at 20 or 18, you know. Well, if you could do it at 18, in my mind, you're winning the race right there. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, so that's that's where I'm coming from, where if I can actually bring this rifle 
back down in weight but get the same result out of it, then mm-hmm. I'm actually doing something. And now I'm 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 organizing, finessing, and I'm understanding the weight system. Cause you know, we yeah. we come out of the gate and it's, you know, heavyweight good. And then it's like, you know, right. tuned weight. Well, and moving moving between those positions becomes difficult and, and, and cumbersome. You know, if you can lighten it back up, then I, I imagine the transitions from barrier to barrier or position on barrier and, and stuff like that is going to get faster. Yes. Yeah. And and that kind of brings us to uh, where you and I wanted to talk. And, I, and I, we're kind of getting into that 10 to start us off. But the marksmanship side of things and the marksmanship standard, you know, mm-hmm. I don't know if it was because of the AIs, but I made a point of watching um, the team guys there shoot. Okay. You know what yeah. I mean? They're not slapping the triggers. They're marrying up. They're following through. And I almost wonder because they run AI two-stage triggers and that gives them that ability to marry up and they don't have to tap like a jewel or, right. or a TT diamond because it's mm-hmm. so light. I'm wondering if that's helping them with their fundamentals because the team guys for AI, their fundamentals were outstanding. Yeah, I'll um, bet so. I mean, because it, it becomes a more cognizant thought process of, of you know, bringing up that first stage and then preparing for the second one. Where, you know, when with a single stage, it's it, you know a lot of times it's all or nothing, uh, you know, because you don't have very much creep and and then and then these guys are setting them so light that they've got to stay completely off until they're ready to fire, and they got to hope that that there's no disturbing their reticle or disturbing their rifle in that split second between nothing and then everything yeah yeah totally and and, and mm-hmm. so that was that was a, a a kind of a good little um eye-opening experience have you had a chance to play with um chris's craft targets at all or anything so yeah i actually posted some up on cr2's uh pages and stuff and i and i put a video up a couple couple part video so i actually got out i got an opportunity to get out and shoot it and I, that's I plan on, on on making that a regular occurrence uh, as part of my train up for the year. Um, I'm actually going to be. I, I talked to Chris pretty extensively before I ever even shot it about his training uh, mindset, and and I think I'm going to honestly be shooting a lot more paper this year, like a lot more hundred yards paper. Um, you know, where before it was all steel out to distance and everything like that. It's got a, it's got its place, but you know, I think that from now reeling it back in and shooting paper at a hundred in some of these positional stuff and, and, and some of these transition drills that I'm identifying where some of my flaws are, um, you know, cause the paper, it just doesn't lie where the steel, I mean, if you get a, you know, hits a hit, right. You know, and you get a hit and you move on because, Oh, well, hey, it was hit. And it's like, okay. But you know, was that an edge strike? Was that, you know, depending on the, the target size, that could be tense off, you know? And, and so those tents add up. You know, oh, totally, error. totally, and I, 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 really like where, like, how Chris jump starts the thinking, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. and kind of the way. I mean, he's so hungry to look at this stuff, yeah. And, and and then now, you know, it's funny because a debate has been going on, and I've been following it a little bit in between here and there, um, on his target, and the aiming right. points, and looking at the aiming points. And this morning, I read an interesting thing because I had a guy. So um, I, I got to get their name, and I haven't got it yet. There seem I don't know if it's if you noticed this as as well as I have. Shipping seems to be screwed up still. Like stuff's not shipping normal times, right. and, and so these yep. I 
I had talked about it. So I did uh, with a company reached out to me, and, and I'll have to get their name. I apologize to you guys um, uh, who made a steel target. And what we did is I made an 18 by 12 landscape target. Okay. And in the middle of that 18 by 12 landscape target is a cut diamond. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know if they made the diamond that negative target where there's nothing behind it where you shoot through it. Or Mm -hmm. if they were going to put something behind it to say we impacted it, which I think they were going to do. But I created this 18-inch by 12-inch target that sits landscape, not portrait, and has a 6-inch diamond hole in the middle. And the target, the guys lasered up and gridded it. You know what I mean? So there's a 1-inch grid on it. And I'm looking at how to do steel like paper. Okay. And So you can still have the effects of wind at distance. Right. Okay. And and then try to keep it into a finer aiming point, but have a bigger piece of steel so you can see your misses and have a visual of your miss pattern. Right. You know? Well, I guess that's always the thing is, you know, you could go with a smaller target. I think that a lot of people are thinking that right now. Yes. Like, well, you just shoot a smaller target. And it's like, okay, but that, that gives you instant feedback, but that gives you nothing for analysis. Exactly. You, know? you and, don't and, know where you missed. The, right. Right. Well, it, even if you could see it, I mean, yeah, the dirt. I, you can see the dirt. Taking, Don't get me wrong. How You'll many see. guys are taking a shot and then writing it down? Like, okay, I missed that shot at this, you know, so that way later on they can come back and, and analyze it. I'm sure that happens for a, a minute amount of people, but the, the average guy, he's going to, hey, this is my series of targets. I'm going to shoot it. Okay, I hit or I miss. And then at the end of the day, he's got no way of quantifying that. Totally, totally. Yep, dead on. Mm-hmm. So I was kind of looking at that, and, and Chris, you know, like when I go to and see Chris shoot in his papers and stuff, I mean, God, he's got to have rock star eyes. Um, I can't see <laughs> shit because uh, it's so right. small. But then mm-hmm. I kind of th- – somebody came up with and now when I shot his target, and I have to go back and shoot it more on a normal one because I shot it admin slow fire. Or I just did it so mm-hmm. it looked real pretty. But, um, you know, I still did it, you know, how you're supposed to, but I just took my time. Um, I didn't put myself on a clock. But uh, anyway, so a guy was having a conversation this morning about his targets and stuff, and we were all coming up with aiming points. So Mm -hmm. I put a little orange pasty in the middle of Chris's target because I had a hard time with the aiming point. That was That's something I I experienced, and and I had a friend who did it. They said the same thing. Like, you know, that center dot was really, really hard to see, especially if you had – you know, a 25 power optic, you were you were getting to where you could see that real well. But if you're in the three and a half to 18 range, you know, you really had a hard time picking up the center dot. And then one of the things that uh, a buddy of mine, Scott, had 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 brought up was that, you know, that that center dot was so small that once you started to put rounds in that area, you couldn't see it, it. disappeared and your group would start to become your aim point because that's the only thing you could really pick out for, you know, refinement. And so, and he noticed that on one of my targets, I started to drift along that aim point because that's what I, that's the only thing I could fix on. Yep. Yep. And, and, and so one of the things the guys brought up to me today, or I read today that might be something to look at in another type of paper target is when we shoot steel we normally don't have a fine or center aiming point, but people tend to use the edges. 
Yes. So it's almost like maybe it needs to now create like a hollow box where you're aiming on the edge, where you give yourself a thicker sort of edge lines, but nothing Mm -hmm. in the center, but then work to kind of place that in the center. Maybe it's with, um, you you know what I used to do? And I I didn't even think about it for this target. So I used to teach, uh, when I was in Germany, I taught the small arms master marksman course and for the army and our zero target was a silhouette. And so it was, you know, it was a small silhouette that simulated a 300, 300 meter target but it was at 25. Right. And, you know, you had the, the small circle in the center, and so you would aim at the center, and you wanted to put all your rounds in the center. That's how you knew you were zero. But a lot of guys really struggle with that, guys and girls, um, especially with iron sights, because, you know, now your iron sight's covering parts of your, part of your target, um, and so it's hard to determine, am I, the, you know, am I, am I centered up, or am I at the bottom of it, or am I, you know, trending a little bit high? And then... Um, even with dots and stuff like that, it, you know, it was really hard to pick up that center. So I would take a, a magic marker and draw a crosshair that went, you know, it was probably six inches by six inches that dissected that, um, that silhouette. And I know I, you know, I got harassed about it a few times by people like, Oh, if you can't do it, you know, whatever. But what I found was, is that, you know, that gave them an, a, a more refined aim point. And I'm thinking even with this craft challenge or that craft target, uh, I don't think it, yeah, I don't think he actually called it a challenge. But um, you know, if you started to punch out that center and you lost your aim point, you would still have those reference lines. Yep, and that's kind of why the snipers hide targets that I use have the double, um, the double aiming points. They're they're mm-hmm. they're an inch away from each other, so you can actually if you're if you're that good and you're blowing your center out. You you right. can you can raise it up point three and then have mm-hmm. it impact it up top and then still aim at the bottom or the top however you want to do it. So I've done that because um, Mark, we we usually do it in class and we could do it with your guys too. Um, uh, I do two things with groups in class. Okay. One is I lower their magnification and have them shoot a group on ten power. Right. Um, because it usually turns out better for for a majority of the people. And then again, we do one group where you're aiming, but not shooting your aiming point. Okay. And so now I was thinking with this steel that we look at, if we figure where two MOA kind of guys is where we want to be in with some stuff, I wonder if it was worth, if it's worth making kind of a, and of course I could do it in Photoshop and just put it up on sniper's hide and print it uh, eight by 11. But I think this might be a good little thing is if you had a thick lined two inch square, you know, in the center, white doesn't have to be two inches. You can make the lines almost a quarter inch thick on the, on the edge um, of the square because to simulate the edge of a steel. But then mm-hmm. I'm wondering if in the center, if you made really tiny and really light some type of scale that you couldn't see from 100 yards. Okay. And then shot the edge and like dial point, if it's a two inch, you know, Two-inch target there, dial point three left wind, point three right wind, whatever you want, and then hold the edge, hold the edge, and always line the reticle up to the edge, mm-hmm. and then see how your groups look in the middle because you've shifted it over to the right. So I'm holding left edge. Yeah, yeah. And I wonder how people would shoot that if they would shoot it better under these conditions like Chris is simulating. Right, right. You know, not bullseye, yeah, no, I, more I or less. Saying, yeah. 
But mm-hmm. yeah, when is our courses in April down in Texas? What, what weekend is it? Twenty? Is it sixteen or twenty? Like, no, it's the uh, third. Uh, thir- oh gosh, <laughs> I put you on the spot. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, April 9th through eleventh. So that next weekend is they're running a competition down there. But yeah, our course is ninth and eleventh. All right, April 9th to eleventh down in Texas. If you want to sit around with Chris and I and the other Chris, Chris Rance there, and uh, talk about this stuff and shoot it. Come yeah, on, come on down to Texas. Go to CR2 Shooting Solutions. There's the uh, Texas uh, competition thing we're doing. We're going to be running some gassers, but you don't have to. No, and, and and that's the thing. And and I've had a lot of people reach out and ask me, like, hey, can, you know, can I bring a bolt gun? And, and the answer is, yeah, absolutely. I mean, re, the the shot process and and the you know you're collecting data and the and the skill sets don't change just because you're shooting a a gas gun or a bull gun. It's just, it's re, it's really more on how you drive it. And, 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 you know, we're trying to put that focus on the gas guns just because not a lot of people are. And I think a lot of people are intimidated to go to a precision rifle class because maybe they do shoot a gas gun and they know like, Hey, well, these guys over here are shooting all these bull guns, but by no means are we discriminating against. No, no. And I love that. having both together. Cause Absolutely. It, because it, there, it, it's it's better to demonstrate the differences and how to overcome them because you can. Absolutely. Our gas guns mm-hmm. today are great, man. Don't be intimidated by today's gas guns, even the cheaper ones. I'm telling you, if you got a SIG 716 that you paid like 800 bucks for it, bring it. Right. I can, well, get, you know what? It, I can get you to so drive I've been it. Playing with, yeah, absolutely. I've been playing with the um, with the Seekins. You know, I, I, yeah, I love the Seekins. I Seekins. picked one up. I picked one up for my father-in-law, um, and then I ended up needing to shoot it in a match because my my gun that I had built and been running for years was giving me some issues. And so I, I shot my father-in-law's gun. It was completely factory, uh, Seekins SP10, not an M or anything like that. And that thing was awesome. You know, I was like, wow, I'm just really impressed by it. So now, you know, I talked to those guys, and, and they actually are, you know, sponsoring me for some shooting this year. And so I had my own sp10 also and and that thing is a really really good price range for the quality that you're yeah, seekins is my is in my top you know five of gas guns for sure uh and would you talk to maddie over there you talk to glenn himself yeah yep. talk to maddie i got t- i got tied in with him uh, about a year ago and, nice and uh you know uh he, he's he's taken he's been taking care of me but yeah, yeah he's i mean good, he's I think good people over there man he's good he's mm-hmm. a good dude um, and I, I really like what they've done with, and I know this isn't new because obviously they've been making these for years now, but that that handguard system, the way, I mean, I know that there's very few people who are free-floating the handguard the way they are, like a true free-floating. And they've improved. That there's, yeah, mm-hmm. there's minor, like, stuff you don't see changes to that system. It's been refined over time, but it's, right. it's, micro, it's stuff you don't, underneath Right, you know, well, but yeah, it's a. I yeah. love his handguard system. I mean, that's why when I first did the RPR, when the RPR went out, I I had. I mean, if you look at my RPR with the Seekins handguard on it, mm-hmm. it's raw cut on the backside to work because I wanted a Seekins so bad. I went to Glenn, and Glenn's like, I don't really have, and I'm like, dude, and look at the timing of the RPR coming out in my upgrade videos. They're like back to back. Mm-hmm. I had him cut one off with like a fucking hacksaw and like, send me that dude. It'll work. And that's what right. I'm still running that pre production RPR Seekins handguard on mm-hmm. my, 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 um, my rifles. Cause it's Seekins, man. 
Yeah. No, I mean, that thing, with how flat it is, it, it creates just a super stable base, especially if you're off any kind of platform. And then the fact that, you know, you don't have to worry, you know, is, you know, when I put this thing up on a barrier, because I, I know that uh, there was a guy from the marksmanship unit that I was shooting some competitions with some gas gun competitions. And he was, he's like, oh, I, I have three different zeros depending on the position I was in. And I was like, are you kidding me right now? Like, I, I don't even know. I'd be able to. Yeah. Cause the handguns you know, push like, him. The handguns <laughs> yeah. push him. Yep. But he's like, yeah, I got my prone. I got my barrier. And then I have, something else i can't remember what it was he's like but depending on what the stage is i you know i had this small shift from positions and uh i was like dude that's i mean but that just goes to show you he was running obviously a free-floating handguard but just even the contact of the handguard to the barrel nut was imparting uh you know pressures on his gun on his barrel and affecting his grouping oh big and time. i think that with the seekins the way they designed it because it's completely free-floating you know, the barrel nut doesn't even touch the receiver where the handguard does. Like, it, it eliminates that. And I've just had some great results with it so far. Yeah, you Guys out there listening to this, totally test it. If you want to go look and see for sure and check your own rifles and stuff, all you have to do is take your bipod and load it against one side. Like, have, like, a, a board coming across or something. Whatever you look can load a bipod into. And mm. only have one leg of the bipod loaded. So push only one leg against something and then um, do switch legs and shoot groups. Shoot like a friggin', you know, five shot group with the right leg pushed against the, a load, the left leg pushed against the load, and then both legs pushed against the load and see if your groups move around. Um, in a gasser, they tend to move around a lot when you have these mm -hmm. uneven loads on those hand guards because um, they apply pressure. And, and so right. they'll they'll throw the rounds off and do all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, AI mm -hmm. actually was talking about that. I think in a piece of the videos because I, I did hours of footage with them. You know, basically all day just leaving cameras running. And um, yeah. they were even talking about you know with their program and the ASRs and the bolt guns, like you don't get any movement in in those varying loads against props and different things because it's something they look at and it's not something right. we talk about a lot. No, and you know, so at the schoolhouse when I was still teaching out there, you know, we 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 used to teach them like even in the prone to load in on the bipod, so that way you know they had really good control of their weapon, and you know everything was consistent, and, and you know and then you would you'd reference like you know when a guy didn't load, but compared to when he did load into it, and um, you know, because obviously consistency equals accuracy, right, so right. I'm always loading into it, I'm always giving that same result, and then when I don't. You know, now I'm getting a little bit different result. Well, we typically don't even teach them to load into it like that anymore because you're just you're naturally imparting a variance into your system that you can't always achieve. Yeah. And so now it's like we don't really teach them how you load into it. You know, the shooter still wants to, then he can obviously, but it's like, hey, when you you know that's cool when you're shooting on this fire line that's dirt and it's got sandbags all on the front of it. But now when we go over to this other range where you're going to be shooting off a concrete pad and there's nothing in front of you, what are you going to load into? You know, it was what was interesting was our students would train on one range, you know, they had the sandbags, and then they would qual on another range because we, we didn't want them to qual on the range that they always shot because they know distances to, you know, even if they didn't have a range rider, they know the distance to the target because 
okay, well, they always put a target here, and that is this this range, you know, and right, there's, right. there's a berm over here. And if so I if know you that. wrote anything down, you probably have the answer. <laughs> right, right. So we take them out to a completely different range. So now, like, that, that unknown distance qual is a true unknown distance qual, and I'm not saying that loading or not loading had an effect on their on their ability to qual, but I'm saying that it, it was a completely different scenario. Yeah. And so it's like, well, hey, if, you know, you stop doing that now, then when you can't do it later, you'll still be okay. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we were talking about that yesterday um, on all the props and everything, and especially like the props I had. I got to go fix them. They're all wiggly and moving and stuff. But um, we were talking about with the, the way the AI was set up and that with my AT or my AX, you know, if I load 100% like normal, I get a lot of wiggle and movement off a barricade. If I back off to 75%, I've you pressure behind the rifle. I've cleaned up a lot of the wiggle and I can still maintain some sight picture. Mm -hmm. If I back off to 50%, I'm technically more accurate, but I lose my sight picture and I don't get any visual for a follow-up. Right. But I'm more accurate. Mm -hmm. And we were saying the way the new system was is that you can basically just work it normal and it didn't change. So we didn't we found we didn't have to load it different. We can right. load it as hard because the rifle did a lot of it and, and didn't move. And so it allowed us to be more consistent behind it and not varying our pressure because of the rifle system we were using. You know, we, we didn't have to mm -hmm. go, I need 50 there, 75 there. I could do 100 down there. I could do, you know, 75 over there. Instead, it was just like, shoot normal, shoot normal, shoot normal, shoot normal. And and, and right. that that helps save a lot of adjustment in the guys, you know, because these guys are talking about shaving, you know, one second off of stuff. Right. You know, well, it's funny that you say that because, you know, going back to gas guns for a, for a second here, uh, one of the guys that's that's in my area that does shoot pretty pretty top level in the PRS, he was talking about running a, a gas gun this year for that for that fact of wanting to shave seconds because you know on all those PRS skill stages they're timed right you right know, everything's you got to do this and this was all well, the whole competition is but you know the skill stages everybody's trying to do those just as fast as humanly possible and so his thing was is okay well. You know, we can build a gas gun that's so accurate. It's it's accurate, like comparable down to my bolt action. But because I don't have to run the bolt, I can, I can breeze through a state, a, a you know, a, a a stage quicker, because I'm ready to fire as soon as that trigger resets, not after I cycle the bolt. Right, right. I mean, and that's probably where if they did it right and the accuracy's there, I don't know if I'm sold yet. But the arc might, you know, six millimeter arc. Um, yeah. Or like, I guess Berger has the new 25 cal bullets came out today. Yeah. Um, maybe do something in a 25 mm -hmm. uh, for a mm -hmm. gasser to get the get everything down and 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 get like a 25 uh, Creedmoor and see if that recoils right for you and functions right out of a gasser. That might that might be a benefit right there for that that in between caliber. Right. Yeah. That I'd like to see somebody start producing some some factory ammo in that range because you know i predominantly shoot factory ammo and, right um you know i also predominantly shoot a 6.5 creed more but 
I, I'd like to get into something a little faster and a little flatter, but I'm, I don't know if I'm sold all the way down to six mils for everything. I know that they have their place. Um, but you know, I still use, I still do a lot of practical shooting in the, you know, in hunting, you know, a lot of the guns I have, I, I hunt with them too. And so of course you can hunt with a six millimeter. I mean, people were killing deers with two forty threes for years, but you know, like when I took that mule deer at 600 yards this year out in Oregon, in Eastern Oregon, like I probably wouldn't have done that with a six mil. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, even like it, I, I, I wish it didn't have the miss start, but I, you know, somebody did something with the 85 grain for the Valkyrie. Um, mm-hmm. cause I mean, I shot the gasser in two comps of the Valkyrie in two competitions, a guardian in the, in the, um, in the, uh, 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 what do you call it? Team Safari. Yep. And, um, I top 20 both with the gasser that way. Um, but I think the Valkyrie just needs a little fine tuning. But for me, the Valkyrie worked great in the small frame, um, and it definitely had a advantage over the the two two threes in the same because um, mm-hmm. the nice thing with the team safari is because I was the gas gun guy I can compare me to all the other gas gun guys right. and I know the ones around me that I was looking at um, I, I I I was I was you know half the amount of rounds they shot right. to hit the same amount of targets. <laughs> People sleep on the Valkyrie, and I understand it had its hiccups, and I understand people's reservations. But you know, it was after after the the gathering, you know, about was a year and a half ago now when I when I was on glass for you, and you took that thing out to what was it like seventeen hundred or something? The like mild, that. yeah, the seventeen eighty. Yeah. I second round yeah. hit with you, right? And, and I was like, okay, maybe I'll go back and I'll build a Valkyrie. So I had a buddy of mine up at Dawn of Defense build me a Valkyrie on one of his receiver sets. And, uh, I put the Lothar Walther barrel in there and it's a 22 inch and that thing eats everything. And so, you know, I'm going to let a little cat out of the bag, but Academy sports has had 75 grain American Eagle two, two, four Valkyrie throughout all of this stuff with all this ammo going on. Yeah. And yeah. so I've been able to walk in every single time and find it on the shelf and they're still selling it for $11 a box. <laughs> and I, I guess it's just because nobody shoots it, and my gun loves it. Mine so does I'll too. Sh- I'll shoot that stuff, you know, at, at fifty cents a round or fifty, you know, five cents a round, uh, and save myself a ton of money. And then I'll go and compete with something else because it's got still good ballistics. But yeah, I've been running that Valkyrie for a while now, and man, it's awesome. I've competed with it a few times, and any any uh, lack of performance was from me, not the gun. Yeah. And, uh, and then I ended up trading with a guy and I got myself into an impact with a Bartlett barrel that's in 224 Valkyrie also. Nice. And yeah. it shoots the 90s uh, from Federal at, a, at an 8 SD <laughs> at 2,850 feet per second. So I was just like, um, why not? Exactly. <laughs> right? yeah. Exactly. Why not? I mean, and, and, you know, here we were at the gathering, which was the sniper thing last year or, or whenever it was, the year before uh, COVID, um, year before. Mm-hmm. So uh, Chris and Chris, the two Chris's are there for the Army doing their thing. And so we were talking about the Valkyrie because you had interest. I And it was on command. I was playing host. I just walked over, <laughs> went in the back of my rifle because I had it, or the car rather, I had my rifle. I dropped down on the mile because it was set up. And I second round hit it right in front of you. And it was like, oh, yeah, watch, dude. And luckily the light's on it. Otherwise, you'd probably be able to see it. Right. And I was right. like, gosh, it has like 25 mils. I'll hang on a minute. 
bump, bump. And it, you know, well, I remember that too because you didn't have a Kestrel on you at the time, and you're like, "Oh yeah, I'll just take it out to a mile." And I was like, "All right, I'll get on glass." And I'm like, uh, "Oh, I don't know your elevation." And you're like, ah, "I think it's like 25." And so you shot, and I was like, "Brother." I do not have a call for you. <laughs> and you were like, oh, no, 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 I'm pretty sure it was over here. And you made a correction and freaking whacked that thing. I was like, you got to be kidding me right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty funny. But you guys so, scored, though, because you guys got away with one of my game changers. I left it over there, and you, you took it home. So that Somebody game, did. I don't have it. Yeah, I don't care who has it. Um, <laughs> it's a game changer. <laughs> but anyway, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, damn, I left my game changer. And I was like, oh, I left it over, and it's probably in the Army kit now. It's probably at the schoolhouse being used for something. You know, <laughs> like I said with the signs, those guys will steal just about anything. Oh, so yeah, yeah, yeah. God only knows. <laughs> yeah. uh, um, hey, I know the rules. <laughs> that's right that's right you leave it unaccounted for yeah and, uh, and, and, and you know it, what my name wasn't else's. on it either there you go so there you go Pay, you know black magic marker would have saved you uh 50 60 bucks or exactly whatever. exactly <laughs> i don't think i paid for it but yeah exactly <laughs> <laughs> oh so yeah let's talk about the marksman standard some okay. more yeah, that, yeah that was something that we talked about a lot in the last podcast and and we've kind of came to a little bit of a conclusion. Not, I don't want to say conclusion because I think it's ever evolving. It's always going to evolve. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I, you know, we've with with going forward with 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 our co- with our company and and building it and trying to continue this. Um, that's something that we've been asked and something that we've we've had a struggle with. Of well, what are we trying to achieve? You know, um, who are we trying to produce? You know, what kind of a shooter, you know, uh, any number of things. And we get asked these questions all the time. Um, you know, I just had a recently somebody was asking me um, that what that wants to do an article on us and what we're doing. Well, is your course geared towards a competition shooter or is it geared towards a tactical shooter? You know, is it geared towards a, uh, a hunter or, you know, all those kind of questions. Right. And, and I think they're valid. Um, because I think that when you are going to pick a course to go to, you know, where you can spend your time and your money, because that's what it ultimately comes down to, you know, you want to get the best bang for your buck. And, you know, us coming from the military background and the sniper school specifically, people think that that's the kind of instructors we are. Well, they're training tactical shooters or they're, you know, they don't, you know, maybe they don't, they don't have something that will help me as a competitor. And, I think it's kind of a, I don't know, misnomer is the right word for it. I think it's kind of a misunderstanding that people have is, well, we're, we're teaching foundational stuff that's good for everybody. Right. Because I, I don't believe that, um, that because you come to a class and learn one thing that you can't apply to other stuff. Because I think, you know, and Phil, Phil Vallejo talked about it all the time was, you know, trying to get guys to go and compete when he was an instructor at the schoolhouse. Because he's like, hey, you know, go compete. You're going to get your butt kicked because you've never trained that way before. You've never shot that way before. But, you know, it's going to make you a better shooter. And ultimately, it's going to probably make you a better instructor because now you'll be able to see things from a different angle. And that's kind of where we're at with it, you know, is I come from a a foundational doctrinal background, but I do compete. I can be quite a bit, you know, and I do hunt. So, uh, you know, when I think of marksmanship, I don't think of it from a, you know, it's not a one trick pony. And, and I think that a lot of people get confused by that because they see certain things that work in competition and they're like, well, that's, that, that's a competition way of doing things. And so that doesn't apply to me or what you're teaching won't apply to me because I'm a competition shooter. And I, I just think that that's, 
that's very narrow minded. And, and we're trying to tell people that, you know, that's not what we're about. You can come to our course and no matter where you're at in skill set, no matter where you're at in, you know, your lifestyle, whether it be, you know, a tactical shooter or a hunter or a competitor or, or even just a hobbyist that like you're going to gain something from these courses. Oh, totally. And, 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 and you're right. Everybody does in their mind have a different idea of their, what they're looking to accomplish, you know? Mm-hmm. So you have to be aware and you don't want to put somebody or your work in a box. Cause it's really not something that fits in a box. Like I tell everybody, you know, I'm a marksmanship instructor and right. like you had just said, I'm trying to teach my skills to translate to the comp guy, to the hunter, to the casual shooter equally because they all can apply them and they all should be applying them correctly. Now, different right. equipment is designed to, you know, overcome certain errors shooters make. Sure. Heavier sure. weights, lighter triggers, different calibers. But, you know, it all comes back to the same. I mean, if you listen to the podcast I just did with Jacob, you know, Jacob's adamant. These guys with a comp gun, if you're shooting a 20-pound, 6-millimeter, and you have an 8-ounce or lighter trigger, you're not shooting. You know, right. you're, 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 sure. a tour, you're a tour guide, and you're showing the rifle where to point, and you're mm. letting it do the work. Um, right. But I, I get that, you know, and, and so there, there's an understanding to it. But what mm. we're trying to do is help that competition guy stay more consistent by having a, 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 a fundamental process behind what he's doing. Right. You know, and I think that that's where, so, you know, we've kind of, we've kind of, our mantra is, you know, we build marksmen. Right. All right. And we've, we're kind of working off this, this marksman concept. And so I think that's kind of what I want to talk about is the marksman concept and then kind of what the marksman standard is. And I think standard is where, I, you know, I, people. Yeah. Get so where really, did, did where did you guys fall on it? Did you did you find a spot, or did you did you come to the conclusion, kind of where I am, maybe? Um, I don't know where your where your head's at. I didn't talk to you about it, but um, where there's a standard for almost every yard line, or are you kind of going on an over mm-hmm. overall standard? So I guess the best way to to, to explain it is is we're kind of looking at this from more of an outcomes based standard than a. Uh, you know, a traditional, um, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, then putting a, putting a, 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 yeah, I know what you mean. I, I know yeah, what you're so, saying. So the way I'm looking at it is, is, you know, almost like uh, you're blending Chris's, what Chris is doing in terms of an outcome in rather than have a distance attached to it. So like exactly. Chris is working at a hundred yards and and because MOA scales and all that, he has a he's looking for a certain outcome. He's not just looking mm-hmm. at group size; he's looking at group position. Right. So and you guys standard, are looking so, at the same thing in a way, right? Yeah, because the standards based system was was really kind of challenging because each shooter has their own goal, right? You know, if I'm a if I'm a hunter, my goal is to be as precise as I need to be to kill an animal. If I'm a military shooter, a tactical shooter. You know, I need to drop a humanoid-sized target, you know, and on first or second round. If I'm an LE, I need to drop, you know, a person and I'm shooting a T-box and I only have one round. Or if I'm a competitor, I need to just be able to clip steel, you know, you know, any kind of round on a, on a target was, was, was good enough. And, 
you know, that standard kind of changes depending on the demographic or the style of shooter that you have. And so with an outcome-based system, what we thought was is, well, we're going to be more focused on teaching skills and then using those skills to apply to an outcomes-based standard. So I guess the best way to describe it is, is kind of what we would, what we want to achieve. So what we want to achieve is that, you know, uh, the marksman concept is a person who's skilled at shooting a rifle, understands ballistics, their weapons characteristics and employment techniques. And, and so how do you quantify that? How do you get to that goal? Well, the goal is that you need to be able to know how to set up your rifle, apply the shot process, you know, group zero chrono or, or use weaponized math, you know, to be create a ballistic mm-hmm. solution for your system, right? Confirm that data and then engage targets at distance. I don't think I need to set a distance standard as that's the goal to reach. It has to be this distance, you know, because I think that that kind of pigeonholes us and it makes it so that way we have to apply. You're only applying it to this style of shooter. You're right, only applying right. it to this style of shooter. Or if it's outcome based. Hey, if you're a 400 yard shooter, because that's, you know, you're a hunter and that's what you need to do is kill animals out to 400. Okay. Well, then that's your distance. If you're a military or tactical shooter, you know, okay. Well, then, you know, you're such and such distance. If you're a PRS shooter, well, then, hey, a thousand yards on a two MOA target. That's kind of your standard, but you all get there through the same outcome. Right. They're, right. they're, the, they're the same, the same performance steps. Wait, are, so are you giving them, and that's, that's, I mean, it comes across perfect. I understand completely what you're saying. Are you giving them a group size to shoot from, or are you scaling that based on their activity? You know, I, I, I don't, it's hard. It, it, once again, that goes kind of back into that. Well, what should the group size be up here? Well, MOA, you know, right. like hunter needs to be in the in the kill zone of a target. So, I, you know, I, I think it's going to be ever evolving, and I think that we're going to have to achieve that. But I think it's going to also be based off the demographic of of, of of class. So, if we're teaching an LE class, you know, it's it's a T box zone at you know a hundred yards. That right. is that's the goal. You need to have a ninety percent in there okay how do you achieve that well you achieve that by you set up your rifle correctly you can apply the shot process you can create a ballistic solution and you can engage the distance whatever that distance is you know if you're a mill shooter and you know i think it has to apply to the demographic of shooters we get a bunch of you know civilian competitors well okay hey your goal is what your type of competition is and and i think it has to be moldable i don't think it has to be specific to any one thing yep yep i just i just invented a target while you were talking about that <laughs> yeah and so i mean and that's why i really like what, what chris is doing and i really like the, the data that's being driven right now because i think it's going to help us kind of derive not just us but just the the instructing well, world and- or even the competitive world as a whole as well where do our end goals want to be but I think that we get so focused on the end goal, we forgot we forgot about the process. Yeah, true, true. I mean, I almost thinking like I'm, I'm scribbling notes while you're talking. In a way, um, you know, I'm almost looking at it where you can you, because, like the hunter is where my head was just kind of drifting. You know, that's a one shot, one kill kind of thing. Right. So you can say, okay, we're going to give you a one inch dot at a hunter, and then you know, or maybe it is two, whatever. I, like I would look at. You know, maybe even an elk, what's the kill zone of an elk or what's the kill zone of a deer or a good-sized muley or something, you know? 
yeah, and say, I, okay, so the heart on that animal, like a, a good animal is going to be this big. So that means it's like, you know, two, two M away, one and three quarter, two and a half, whatever the case is in scale with the animal. But then you can say, all right, you're going to shoot and you can test the person and say, okay, I want you to put a hit on that animal. And, you know, we know at 100 yards, it's gigantic. I mean, right. that is what it is. It, 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 we're closer, of course, closer is better. So then you can walk them out and do a walkout drill until they miss. And mm-hmm. then you can kind of say, well, dude, you're capable right now out to 600 because you got right. first round hits all the way out to six with your rig. Mm-hmm. Where another guy well, may only be, but then it gives him something to practice and to mm-hmm. extend that. So I was actually just, uh, I've been teaching an LE course over the last couple of weeks, and we can go into that in a minute. But one of the things that we talked about was shooting the craft challenge or the craft data challenge. And I, you know, I was trying to explain it to him and it was, it was like, well, you know, when you think of engaging uh, a threat and you have to decide what you're willing to do, you know, you have to like what I kind of related it back to, you know, we used to give a standard and we still do in the military, like, Hey, the, the M24 is a 800 meter gun. And so everybody needs to be tested to 800 meters with this gun. Right. And what we found over time is that guns vary so much in muzzle velocity and stuff like that, that that's not always an, an appropriate way to test things because one shooter may have a gun that's effective to 800 but the next shooter because he's got a more you know yeah he's got uh, a crappy gun that's on the edge of life right yeah and so and so he shoots at such a different muzzle velocity that maybe his his uh his trans zone is is 50 yards in front of his 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 partner so is it fair to to to, i don't want to say fair and people think of that from a soft standpoint but it's like, it, should that really be the way that we're testing both of those guys? Because it's not apples to apples at that point in time. And so I was explaining to these guys that, hey, you know, when you are developing your your uh, department's um, engagement criteria, because I'm not going to tell you how to do that. You have to figure that out. I, I mean, I've never been LE, and so I'm not going to try to sit up here and tell you what you should do from an LE standpoint. But when you think of your engagement criteria and – you set like the the you know the distances you're willing to make engagements. You have you need to be able to think about that of how effective are you from all of the positions because you know when you're kneeling you might be able to shoot to this standard. When you're standing you're going to shoot to this standard. When you're prone you can shoot to this standard. And that's where I thought the craft challenge was interesting because I I kind of extrapolated that on a on a humanoid sized target and I showed them you know okay in the prone I was shooting you know, one MOA or sub MOA, you know, so I, I, I kind of drew it up there on a humanoid target. It's like, okay, well, you know, center mass, a half MOA, it's this beautiful tight group. And it's like, everybody thinks that that's a, that, that, is, you know, I, I'm effective at that distance. Right. And they're like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, okay, perfect. So now when I went to the kneeling, uh, my group opened up to maybe a minute and a quarter. So I kind of drew up that, you know, it's like everybody thinks that at, at a hundred yards and a minute and a quarter MOA, I'm still effective and I could, I could kill this bad guy. Right. And they're like, yeah, I was like, okay. So then when I went to, you know, I, and I took it up to, uh, to standing and I said, okay, well, Hey, at standing, since I'm not so stable, you know, I'm a, I'm a three MOA shoot or, or actually I think I went up to five MOA. So I was like, you know, cause we saw that with some of these targets that started to come in, like guys, are sh- there's some people shooting at five MOA. You yeah. Know? Eight. And Chris had people shooting eight. Yeah. And these are competitive shooters. And so, 
I was like, okay, you know, at 100 yards, I can still effectively engage that person. I was like, but now let's take this to 500. And so it was like, now, you know, I had multiplied it out and I drew them the impacts. And it was like the target size didn't change, guys. Target's still the same. What changed was our grouping because this is, you know, these are all angular, measure, angular measurements. And so that MOA, that five MOA that was approximately a five inch group at 100 yards, guess what? That's a 25-inch group. And so I showed them, you know, the average humanoid target is 18 inches, right? And that's the standard that we kind of go off of. So I was like, now seeing the pattern drawn on this whiteboard, am I effective to 500? Yeah. And they're like, no, I mean, you're not. Me, that's the benefit to me of like the WES or the um, Patagonia's error budget. Yep. Like I don't yep. see doing it beforehand. But it's worth to me in the anal analyzing the data to be able to go to like what you just said. If you go to an LE class um, with Chris and you shoot the target and then go back and sit around and say, okay, you guys averaged as a group 4M away. Right. Now let's go back to the classroom and pull a WES up and now let's scale that out. And let's look at what that now created where your effectiveness, once you kind of creep past two, is gone. Right. You know, so I, I do I do think that's some valuable data Um, the way he's I, – I, I, like, one, what you brought up earlier, paper, huge. Mm -hmm. Two, creating yeah. something that could be analyzed after. And then adjusting our standards just exactly like you're talking about that it, it becomes, it's not so much, like you said, the outcome, but more of the process. I, if you think about it, like when we were up in Alaska, Mark and I, our, our, our PR2, because mm -hmm. we do a, because Alaska, my classes up there started out being quite a bit different. I, I, I designed them for the people up there. Then they right. morphed over time. And at the end now, what we ended up doing for our fundamental eval in a PR2 was technically a blind UKD stage where we lined everybody up behind a connex. We told them to come up two at a time. Now there's a target over there, blue target with this range it, engage it in two minutes. Mm -hmm. And it was at 600 and change, like just past, like it was like 625, 630. And it was a 66% IPSC. And yeah. it turned into like the biggest shit show for some people because it's not the shooting. If I just said, put three, two on your gun, drop down, give it left edge and, and shoot, you'd be fine. Right. But now saying there's the target, shoot it. People were turning into jelly. Mm -hmm. What do I do? How do I do it? Why didn't I hit it? Oh, I ran out of time. It's like in two minutes, you can't get one range. <laughs> you can't dope right. your rifle for one target. You know, right. and, and so that to me is, is kind of where you're going with the process that clearly my PR2 process is showing that uh, potentially our final eval should almost become, which it is, it's a process eval, mm -hmm. but it should almost include how did you do your math? Right. Because that seems yeah. to be the missing element is to get it, get people their dope. Right. We, we want to quantify things and I, and that's great. And I love to quantify stuff, especially when people start spouting facts at me and it's like, well, is that quantifiable? Let's, let's, let's prove this. Is it, you know, is it really what you think it is or, or is that because of your biases?
But I think that, you know, I understand why the military and maybe the LE and some of these, you know, some of these different organizations are going to need an actual quantifiable, you know, data set for qualifying somebody. Right. But I think we get so wrapped around the axle that we realize like, okay, it's really about being effective. Am I effective at doing my job or my skill or my hobby? And, you know, we, we've gotten so, so wrapped around, okay, if he didn't hit that target, he's, he, you know, he, he's, he's not a go at this station. And it's like, what is, is hitting that target, the, the specific goal and that, and everything else fails because we didn't hit that target. Or was I trying to teach somebody how to be a marksman? Can they, are they an effective shooter? You know, it, cause we, we've had, we had guys that come to our course and didn't know how to do rifle setup, right? but they've been to other courses. And so it's like, well, okay, even though you right now can hit that target because you have good data and you can take that target, like, you know, if I took your scope off and handed it back to you, you're done. It's over with. You don't even know what to do at this point in time. Or if I hand you a completely new gun, and that would be my, you know, my thought process behind it is, is you know, a, a good marksman should be able to pick up any rifle, you know, set yeah. it up. Go through all those steps and in the end effectively engage targets. That you know, and that's a great point. And and it's something I noticed like with Phil and Kalen, like Phil or, or Kalen I saw with his videos with the new schoolhouse. He kind of mm-hmm. had the rifles apart. And mm-hmm. I've always avoided that part of it. And I'm actually changing ah. my online training. Um I like yesterday they emailed my stuff. I'm I'm upgrading the rest of the site. I got two more things to do. Um mm-hmm. but I'm doing a new system for my training and what I decided is I'm going to create a whole new series of videos again. Right. And, and, and he's right because I'd never, I never, I've done rifle setup, but I never broke a rifle down. I, you know, I've showed mounting a scope, but I never right. broken it down for the training videos that way. Cause I mm-hmm. feel like it's something people come into the door with, but you're right. But, but he's they right. They don't. You're absolutely right. right. Well, I've overlooked and- it. So I so we teach it in our courses, and what's funny is I actually got a message the other day from a potential student. I'm going to use the word potential because uh, they've asked a lot of questions about the competition or or tactical training, and they want to know, you know, what is this gear towards? Am I going to get something out of it? Which is great, and they should ask these questions. That's that's totally fine. I don't have a problem with it because um, I want informed people to come to my courses, uh, but. The last thing that they asked me was, am I going to have to take my scope off my gun? And my, it was a real simple response. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And, then, and then I explained, you know, yes, because we're going to teach you rifle setup and we want, we want you to know how to do that. And what we found more often than not is that when we, make, when we go through our rifle setup class and now I give you levels and I give you the tools and the torque wrenches and all this kind of stuff like that, that a lot of people's scopes were canted or yep. they weren't torqued properly. Um, you know, we had a student who came to the line and had a broken mount, you know, broken scope mount, didn't even know it. And so, you know, it was like, well, God, thank God we went through this process because that's how we identified, you know, it was one of those mounts that had the hinge, you know, like one side the hinge and the other side actually has the bolts. Just, I don't know why. Yeah, yeah, it's just like that stuff, but. Yeah, but it cracked, you know, because probably because it was over torque. And um, so it's like that's that's why, yes, you will come to our course and you will you will take your gun apart and then you will set it back up appropriately. Um, and I think you'll be happy because you did it. 
because everybody to this point in time has been happy. Or in the end, nothing changed and they didn't care. Um, but it's like if you're, and I haven't heard back from that person since, and it's been a little while. And so I'm, I'm now I'm wondering, oh, are the, do we just lose that customer because they've got it in their mind that if they had to take a gun apart, that it wouldn't be the same when it went back together. Right, right. And there are people who are hyper anal retentive over this sort of thing and, and what they're doing and stuff. I mean, just, you know, as an example, we're playing with the AI stuff and, and the team gun they had from the finale. Dude, there was not a screw on there that didn't have a witness mark. Yeah. You know? And that's the dedication yep. in, in, in that kind of stuff. But I, I, I understand. And, you know, it, 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 it has made me rethink how I'm looking at some of my own teaching because mm -hmm. I assume a lot of that stuff um, and have over the years while we tend to focus on the fundamentals and focus on the marksmanship. And I do put effort into rifle setup. I don't know if I'm going to the distance like you guys are doing um, to show them how to get there. Right. You know, I'm I'm getting the setup like the fine tune setup. Mm -hmm. I'm not yeah. doing the gross setup. Right. And, and and depending on the class and the students you have, you know, maybe maybe they don't need that stuff. But, ah, but I know, think you're right. I, I think a mention I can't is it. yeah. I think a mention in I'm a basic class. I'm a day one class. I think it should be some stuff in there that says. You know, torque your rings to, to manufacture a spec, but you want to be between 45 and 65 inch pounds. You want to do this one between 15 and 20 inch pounds. You want to do maybe that's stuff that I'm not putting in my presentation that needs to be in there. Yeah. And it doesn't take that long. I mean, I don't think we, we're losing training nah, value because nah, we do not. it. It's you quick. Know, it's quick. Uh, yeah, it's quick. But I mean, we, we've got plenty of people, you know, I teach them how to set up their length of pull. And they're like, oh, you know, and, and it's like, uh, yeah, well, you know, we did that shot eval at the beginning of the course. There's a reason we do that. And there's a reason we do it again at the, at the end. And uh, you're about to see why. <laughs> right. Because, you know, you were canted all the way off the side of your gun because your length of pull is three inches too long. And you couldn't get to the proper eye relief if you wanted to. I have a student right now. And this is this kind of goes back to the LE stuff. But um, unfortunately, they don't they don't get to buy their own equipment and they don't get to modify it a lot of times either they got to work with whatever they're issued. And so I've got two um, sheriff's deputies that they're shooting Remington 700s that are 30 years old. I mean, the, every piece of equipment that's on there, you know, from the, from the scope base to the scopes and everything else is 20 to 30 years old. And um, they're both five, five. Yeah. And so imagine what that bus stock is like for the, you know, especially for the woman, she, she can't get, you know, I can't get that scope far enough back. Yeah, she's got to choke up so eye. bad, right? She and, right. and that to me, and that's part of the education thing to me. In those cases today, even though it's a thirty-year-old gun, put it in a chassis. Exactly, and her gun. Don't get me wrong; both of those guns still shoot phenomenally. Oh yeah, they, I mean they. They, Three hundred eight still lasts a hundred years, but it's just you start to lose the the you know it's an old car. It's still going to get you from A to B. It's still going to start every single day. I just can't plug my phone into it. Right, and that's and that's so I you know I learned that from the from the because we we're teaching this this class over uh, over uh, it's 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 multi phase because we're actually getting certified by the state, um, and we can talk more about that, but. Um, we 
I went out there the first time and I brought a gas gun because that's so what I'm used to, you know. And it was like, oh, it's a DDM course. I'm, you know, I'm going to bring out a gas gun or whatever. And they all got full guns. So when I went back out there, <laughs> I, I brought a, a Remington 700 factory action and barrel um, or barrel action. And I just dropped it into a chassis and I brought it with me because I didn't have a, I didn't have a stop for it otherwise. And so now, and then I showed her, you know, Hey, you know, you know, you're, you're seeing the effect of what you're dealing with. So now maybe when you go back to your department, you can tell them, okay, Hey, you know, the rifle's good. I don't need a new rifle, but what I do need is a chassis because right. I'm so much shorter than the average person and so on and so forth. And she's a great shooter. She's really phenomenal. Um, but, you know, and I showed her a couple chassis options and I was like, look, look at this MDT XRS. This is like, you know, 350 bucks or whatever it is. You know, I was like, that's 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 small fries in the grand scheme of things when we're talking about the expenses that are related to prisoners and shooting, you know, and that could be the difference maker for you because, you know, it goes down to like 12 inches. Totally. You know, and but you can get it all the way out to like 15 inches if you're, you know, if you're a really tall shooter and, um, you know, and then on top of it you know, the, the, she's got a second focal plane scope that's, you know, capped MOA turrets with a mill dot reticle. So it's like, you know, there's a lot of things that we can do here to modernize and make this better for you because with her length of pull being too, way too far and she can't adjust it. And then with that optic, that's got, you know, it, it's, it's, it's flaws and everything else. Like it's, it's just really adding a lot of stuff and she's compensating for it. Cause like I said, she's a great shooter, but um, it's really kind of sad, right? But it, it's, it's like she has to work too hard, and she's and she's actually taking away from how naturally she because women are are naturally much better. They don't have the egos, they don't have the yeah. bad habits to start with. So when you start them right, a, right? <laughs> but anyway, so now she has to fight this gun that doesn't fit her. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, uh, so we were talking about it the um with Scott on the podcast with that, and and we were talking about like you know cars and setting up and tuning a car and being yep. in a race car where the seat is made for the the driver, or being in a car and doing the same exact thing but sitting on a bench seat. Mm-hmm. You know, and how you'd be moving around and you're going to work so much harder, and how your legs and how you'll just be a mess at the end of a race. Because but, you had to fight your seat. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so she's fighting the gun where a chassis change for her, like you suggested, would 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 totally take away all of that from her mind and, and not have to force her. And then she can focus on being the best shooter she could be and doing her right. job. So for sure, I mean, that's an important, important thing. With And again, that's mm. rifle setup. That's rifle setup, exactly. We wouldn't have... You know, maybe we would have identified these issues, but had we had we not taught that stuff, but because we did, we absolutely identified them. And so we've had a, you know, we've had a, you know, just work with her on, you know, being able to get a good position behind that gun and still be able to maintain eye relief and be consistent. Um, and and any kind of any kind of variable, you know, that that pops up, it immediately it's like, okay, well, hey, something's changed, you know, from the last time you shot to now. So now we got to go back and and really kind of harp on that process to be, you know, to compensate for all those issues where, you know, you know, natural point of aim is so difficult when you have an improperly set up rifle. And, you know, and and so I don't know, those are the kind of problems that we're issue that we run into, but I would like to convey to people, like, that's why we teach it. That's why it's so important in our course. That's why the process is more important than the end result. 
Like, you know, we still, of course, want to achieve the end result. I mean, that, you know, what's the point of going to a course if you can't, you know, if you can't in the end engage your targets, but what if you could never even get there? Right, right. I mean, and, that's, and, that's, and, that's a big thing. I mean, if people want to come and see this in action, you come down to Texas in April and we all sit around like this and this is the stuff we talk about. This is the stuff we're analyzing. And, and, and why it works so well with students is because we can then pick your brain in those after hour times and figure right. out how you're absorbing information and how we can give you better pieces of that, which makes it easier for you to absorb. Right. Yeah, I've learned way more since I've been an instructor than I ever did beforehand um, because I'm, I'm listening to my students. I'm seeing what their issues are. I'm, I'm having to help them overcome those challenges. You know, in the Army, we saw, you know, you'd get one sniper. You know, I've had a seven-foot-tall guy in one of our courses, and I've also had a dude that I wasn't even sure how he made it into the military, you know, but they got to shoot the same gun. Yeah, yeah. How do you, how do, you do that? Well, you do that by setting up your rifle appropriately. Um, and that's just one of the things, I mean, I obviously we're, we're really kind of talking about that a lot right now, but I just want people to understand that like, this is not tailored towards any one shooter. And maybe if you're at the top of your game and you need to, you know, you've got to get to that next level. Maybe I need to go take a course from a competitive shooter, but if you've never taken one of these other courses, then what, why, why are you already there? You know, well, it may be it may be horse. something where you're doing pretty good, but you've hit a plateau. We always talk mm-hmm. about that. We get a lot of guys that hit yeah, plateaus. Going back to the fundamentals, right? So then you kind of back up and you say, "Well, wait a minute, maybe I can tweak this a little bit." And it's another set of eyes, and it's right. another set of eyes. I mean, you know who's good with that, and in your area is like um, Baker and those guys. You know, David Baker and in in the ones in in uh, Thomas and Baker and all them. But they, because they're competitive guys, but then they're looking at this fundamentally. They come to classes, and they and they they feel that, you know, they're like this this top fifteen guy. They're 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 right. in the top fifteen, and a lot of people have to not show up, and then they'll jump into the top ten. Right. But when they're back around these other guys, they're back to that fifteenth place, and they never seem to excel. So they're looking for a way to kind of get out of that. And, and what it comes down to is they're coming to like us and, and they're seeing mm-hmm. what, what it's a better, maybe it's more follow through. Maybe it's a rifle right. setup thing. I've noticed this. It's like, hey, dude, you're laying on top of your rifle. Your scope's pushed forward. You're kind of doing this and doing that. Maybe bring yourself back a little bit. And especially because you're going to be on props a lot more, you know, maybe back this stuff off and be a little bit straighter and square and a little more erect and let's bring you over. And, oh, yeah, look, you're inconsistent right. over here. There's a lot that can be done when you have a competent pair of eyes on you. Absolutely. Uh, you know, so that, that matters, man. And, 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 and I our, agree. And our rifles are super adjustable these days. Like, you know, the, the fixed stocks with the, with the, um, the, the dovetail scope mounts and scope bases like that, that's kind of a thing of the past. Like we've got Picatinny rails with 15 slots right. on the top of a, on the top of a bolt action. You know, we've got adjustable stocks that have length of pull in and, and you know, the, the cheek well that, that are, you know, are completely adjustable by a dial, you know, like th- there's no reason to do those things that way anymore. And sometimes it's just a matter of a little bit of education that realize that, okay, I didn't even realize that this was an issue. Yeah, totally. No, I agree, man. We're on the same page and I love this, that we're all kind of working together and we're, 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 we're fine tuning this and we're bouncing these ideas off of each other. I, I mean, if you think about it, if you look at Kalen and Phil, uh, mm-hmm. you and Chris, 
um, like me and Mark, Jacob, you know, we're all working for a common goal. And we're, right. you know, we're all kind of staying together and, 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 and bouncing ideas off of each other and, and coming into each other's orbits as a positive thing to push towards the community. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not, we're not trying to be divisive. We're trying to, you know, to, to make it so it, it's not just about the product and, and, and I don't want to go there, but it's just so the message It's like, I'm not contradicting you. You're not contradicting me. If we have differences in opinions on minor things, it's usually because of our body types or something like that. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's no ego there. And that's the thing is people see big personalities and they translate that to ego. And, you know, and that's like you're saying, though, I'll call you to ask you your opinion and your question and then come back and or your opinion on a question and then go back and apply it. You know, I talk to Kaylin and Phil and I listen to their videos and watch their stuff. And then to go back and apply it. And then Chris, you know, Chris Way, he came up with this great analysis tool. And it's like that has derived, that's driven changes in the way I train and now the way I teach. Because and it's because of the mindset that I've achieved by seeing the data that was from his his data challenge, you know. Yeah. And uh I, I think it is really good for the community. Um, and I just, you know, hopefully we can change that mindset that people have that, you know, I can only go to this person and learn this, and I have to go to this person to learn this or you know, if I go to this person, I'm going to take a step back because I'm already, I'm already beyond that. And it's, and it's, it, you know, <laughs> well, even just, you know. I mean, just like with our fundamental eval and that stuff, if you look at my sheet and Mark's sheet, I'm on one side of you, Mark's on the other side. They, they don't always match. Maybe I watched you shoot your finger on shot, you know, two and four. Maybe Mark watched one and three on that particular spot. And I'm over here looking at this. So right. everybody does things in such different ways. So Mark says, you know, up, oh, you follow through or you tap the, tr-. and then I'm like, well, you tap the trigger over here. Well, Mark, so you follow through on shot one because we we're paying attention, but then on shot three, you tap the trigger. So mm. it, it all is accurate at the same time, even though they right. contradict because we're looking at different things. Right. And and so y- y- this is part of the beauty of us working together as a group and and all being on this on this sort of, you know, um th- this this information sharing I mean, you know, uh program that we're doing because then we can look at it. Hey, Phil and them guys looked and saw this and man, I never thought of it that way. Just like we you, exactly. you know, you're talking about with the standards. You want to look at a standard in a different way. Yeah, I agree with that. Let's look at that and let's explore that rabbit hole cuz I'm still going down the same hole we've always gone down. I'm just trying mm-hmm. to reword it. But maybe right. it's not go down that same hole. Let's go down Chris's hole. Right. And, you know, and be and, careful. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Woohoo. <laughs> yeah, that you know that kind of stuff. But you know what I mean? Right. And, and, and it, it's not that fun, guys. He just lies there and giggles. Um, but, uh, no, you know what I'm saying? But that that's to me, the, this is what the audience should be taking away. Who's out right. there, you know, doing one thing. And, and, and while I tend to be a bitch and a moan about certain things, and I know I'm a whiner and, and complainer on, uh, on certain high level things, but I'm also <laughs> trying to solve problems. I'm also, and I'm giving right. this out there and I'm trying to get people to think. So well, and you're not you're not so stuck on your ways that you know if somebody brings an intelligent you know argument to the conversation that you can't go oh, oh you know what maybe you're right or maybe that's a different way I mean because I think that that's that's Chris's approach you know Chris Way is 
uh, okay, you say it's that way, but why? Right. Well, I don't think it's that way. I think it's this way. And then that's an argument. But he, he looks at it from the standpoint of, well, no, this is a conversation because we're learning. You know, I'm listening to what you have to say because maybe I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to glean that small nugget from what you got or what you said, and that'll help me this way. Um, and, you know, and he's right. And, and I talk to him quite a bit because he's local. But he, um, you know, it, it's kind of like where you talk to Chris and, and he knows he's going somewhere with what he's doing, his methodology. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, well, what kind of product is he creating? But he's creating a product for you and I. Right. He's not necessarily creating what I would call a pro- he's creating a process and he's creating, a, you know, he has a tool there and he's creating this stuff for the individual to go out and do. But he's really creating something for you and I to analyze the shooter as instructors. Yeah, you know, and, and, and so it's it's a good thing. So it while he's trying to find his footing as to where does this fit into our sphere? I mean, I recognize it as such a valuable tool he came up with that's so simple and that could be scaled and expanded and moved. And and that's what it takes sometimes. It takes that open mindedness. He's he's asking the questions, you know, and, 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 and sometimes it's, you know, somebody else is coming back with the answer. No, it's good stuff, man. And, and, and you have to be self-reflective. You have to edit, you have to look at it. And I'm doing that a lot more now. Um, even more so because guys like yourself are coming up that are going to replace me. You know, I'm getting old, man. You know, yeah. when I'm gone, you, you, the, you the CR2 is hey, going to be there. The car. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> CR2 is going to be there and, 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 you know, and Phil and Kalen are going to be there and stuff. And I'm going to be in the old folks home watching their videos. I know those guys, you know, and, and that's yeah. kind of how it goes. So you have to be able to, to recognize this and, 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 and realize who's putting out good product. Right, right. So what else so, we got, man? We got courses. Where's your classes? Uh, you got a list of classes? I know you got your CR2 Shooting Solution site. Yeah, so, yeah, I'll, you know, I have them all listed up on all the social media uh, So that I'm on. So Facebook, uh, Instagram, obviously, we're, you know, those are, <laughs> those are taboo topics right now, but they're still there, and, and so I'm still using them. Um, but we have our website, you know, CR2ShootingSolutions.com. Uh, you go into the the shop uh, kind of tab at the top. That'll take you to every product we have. You know, so we do have some stickers and some shirts and stuff. But then if you drop down, you'll see you know big logos for the different classes that we have. Uh, somebody said that there was they, oh I went on his site and there was nothing about the classes and I was like you, you clearly didn't go on my site because <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know that's that's like a whole page that is dedicated to that. But um, you know you can get on there. You can see what courses that we have planned right now. Um, one of the things that's popped up and, and it's not on there because it's still, it's still developing is, um, this big push for Ellie. So that's kind of, you know, Chris and I, we have our history and that though led to the, to the desire to create CR2, but that was always kind of a thought process of like, Hey, when we retire, we'll get on that. And, and he, he's not to retirement yet, even though I am. Um, and so I was approached about a year ago, almost a year ago today, um, by some folks, uh, a friend of mine, Sean, up at Phoenix, you know, up in South Carolina, he runs a company called Phoenix Strategies, and he wanted to start to teach some law enforcement courses. And he he's a law enforcement guy himself. Um, you know, spent time in the military. When he retired, he went over there. You know, and so he still does designated marksman stuff over there for those guys. 
Um, and he wanted to start teaching these law enforcement courses. And I, and I said, you know, that's great. I'll bring my expertise on the shooting side of it over. And then you bring your expertise, you know, for, you know, being a law enforcement guy and having that training background and we'll create something. So the approach that we took was, you know, we've seen that there's a lot of different departments that have all kinds of different standards, you know, and so they go to all kinds of different courses and some of them don't have standards and some of them don't have courses they go through or their guys are out of, you know, tolerance or whatever else. And so we approach it from the standpoint of, well, we wanted to be a centrally certified course. So that way, you know, when, when a, a department in that area wants to send somebody to a course, they know, Hey, these are the guys that we go to. Right. Right. And so we teamed up with the South Carolina criminal justice Academy to get certified. So we had to go through that process of, of background checks and, you know, give them our POI to get certified. And now we're actually in the process of running our pilot courses for our final check the box, you know, on certification. And, and in the end, we are going to be the only authorized course for state certification in the state of South Carolina. Nice. Um, And so we're expecting that probably even next month, we're going to start running those courses. So, uh, you know, those guys that want to find out more because they're a law enforcement guy, uh, or they're in that area, or even, you know, maybe they're in another state and want to know what, what that approach looks like. You know, you can reach out to me on the website. There's my contact stuff on there, the social media, it's up there. And, and when we get to the point where we're doing actual posting course dates for that, that will all be on the website too. Right now, um, you know, it's just departments calling us saying, Hey, I got these, this many guys and I got to get certified. They're out of tolerance. When can you run a course for me? And, and so that's kind of the way that's going right this second. But, uh, when we can get to the point where we'll forecast those, you know, we will. Um, but in the meantime, they can they can track all that on the website, and like I said, on social media. But for our civilian side, those are all posted. We're going to be out at Pig River. Oh, actually, backtrack. We're going to be at Arena uh, the end of this month running a, a weekend-long course. Um, it's the 30th, 30th through 31st down in Arena in Blakely, Georgia. And then we're going up to Virginia. We'll be at Pig River Precision. Josh Bandy is uh, opening the door for us. He's got a phenomenal facility up there. So we're going to be running another one of our courses on the 13th um, of February. Um, and then uh, and then we kind of got a small break. I actually have a bunch of competitions I'm going to shoot and some other traveling I'm going to do and law enforcement courses. And then we'll be out in Texas with you for the course out at Bridal, Bridal Iron South. And um, that's Nick Goff out there. Um, he's been around the community for a while, especially on the tactical side. People know him. Uh, it's funny because I guess Jacob, you know, was at Rifles Only. It's just up the road or down the road. or Yeah, yeah, down south, yeah. <laughs> and uh, he actually knows Nick real good. So yeah. he, he saw he saw this competition pop up. Nick runs a, uh, the Real World Sniper Challenge. And I think this is his second or third running. And he's going to run it down there, I think, for the first time. I, I could be wrong on that. But uh, Jacob saw it and reached out to him and said, hey, uh, you know, I saw your course and I'm interested in helping out in whatever way I can. You know, and so Nick was like, hey, this is Nick Goff, you know, like the dude who's been to your course five times. And he was like, oh, <laughs> you know, so it's small world, but uh, it looks like a good facility. And, you know, it's 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 pretty interesting when you got a place like Rifles Only that's just up the road. And he's like, 
you know, there's room to share. Yeah, totally. You know, and, 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 and support each other in the community. Totally, totally. I mean, that's that's where, you, you know, people don't get it. it, it it's like there, there are people who are like, you know, fuck you, your competition and they're dicks and mm-hmm. that's what it is. But then there's people. Right. It is what it is. There's people at work, but there's plenty of space for everybody. We got 300 and something million people in this country. You know, we're teaching like a thousand a year. I think we got room. Right. Yeah. Right. Exactly. You know, so, you know, I think we're okay. Yeah. And so after that course, you know, that's a weekend course. That's yeah, it's everybody's tracking. That's me and you. Um, I don't know if Chris is going to make it to that one, but uh, we, I, you know, we got some other people that we work with that I know one of them will be coming out with me for sure. And um, then we kind of got a break from teaching those classes until we go back out to Pig River um, in August. And that's kind of, all that I have forecasted right now because I still have a day job. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be in San Diego in two weeks or whatever. We're going. We have two classes down in San Diego in February. Um, I'm doing mm-hmm. like 12 days or some shit because I got a break yeah. between them. But um, I'll go see my daughter in um L.A. But anyway, awesome. so yeah, I'm gonna be in I'm gonna be in California, San Diego, and then we got classes popping up big time. I'm booking classes all the time. Snipers hide. You can go find them. Um, precision rifle training.net. Uh, there's that too. But anyway, Chris, man, thanks for a great conversation. I kept you way too long. Um, <laughs> I appreciate it. This, this was a fun topic, man. Fun talk. We'll, yeah, we, we got to do it again. Cause there's still more. I think we still is. can flush some of this stuff out. Um, the, the marksmanship standards and how we go about them are always going to adjust for the individuals, but there Absolutely. are processes and things that are universal. And that's what we're trying to put a score to, you know? Right. 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 And, so. I, and I want people to know too, if, uh, you know, so for those guys that listen to this podcast and they follow the site, you know, Sniper's Hide, all the courses are on there too. So they don't have to remember the name of my course. They can find them on there or my, the name of my website. They can find them on there too. Yep. CR2 shooting solutions. Cool, man. I'm ready to go. Appreciate I got to go time. get some food too. Absolutely. I will talk to you guys later. Let me cruise it out of here. Later. Oh, the puppy's talking. Hi everybody!